This is the Zach Asbury Show. Welcome. Today's podcast clip comes from an interview with Professor Sharon Rundle-Tierley from Social Marketing at Griffith University. Um, I, you were talking about how Category 1 income is almost held at like a prestigious type of thing. Um, and then, you know, you have Cat 2, 3, and 4, but which are very important for cash flow and stuff like that for the university. But you kind of see the same thing with journal publications, right? There's this, in Australia anyway, we have this, um, the ABDC list, the Australian Business Deans Council, which was just, just updated. And you have these A-star journals, and there's not too many of them. And they're these premium sort of star sort of journals. Uh, and everyone should be kind of aiming for them. But that doesn't necessarily discount the quality of the research that's in like the A's or even B-level journals. I find a lot of good research gets published in those. Do you, do you, would you agree with that? I've long held a view that many journals are equal mm-hmm. and we spend a lot of an incredible amount of time and resource trying to construct elite tables that demonstrate which journal's better than some other journal and sometimes the process behind that's very political. Mm-hmm. I've watched some journals get elevated across the career as I've been watching it just based on the people who are involved in the ranking process and their beliefs and what they think is better or worse. Um, different journals, like I actually edit a journal and have been for, it's in its um, 10th or 11th year now. Wow. So we're in volume 10 as we speak. Um, and that's been amazing because we launched that in a world where the ranking system existed. It was very difficult to get young academics to publish because the system's rewarding them for getting A and A star papers. Exactly. And we would have to appeal to senior colleagues in our field who I have to say have still written some of the most cited papers in the journal today. Um, I always had a belief that a lot of journals are equal and that we should stop putting so much attention on our own rankings because at the end of the day, the value in research is if the research is being used. Yes. And academic journals speak to other academics. And whilst that's specifically in marketing, I have to say within medicine and health, it is a bit different because the doctors sometimes read those journals. But those papers are 2,000 words Mm. and they're written in plain English or at least an English that that entire profession understands. If I speak to marketing practitioners... And even I've seen it across all of my operations working. There are so many academics that do not speak to people in terms that they understand. Mm -hmm. There is so much jargon that we had to pick up in our training, so many big complex words and ideas that we use that, frankly, we lose the other people when we speak to them as academics. Now, how that came to be, I don't understand because the value in research is what it can do to deliver outcome change to benefit people. Um, is our research really making a difference if we're just talking to three other academics <laughs> or no other academics or a yeah. hundred other academics? So I think we have to be very critical of this entire system that we've been placed within. Or in my case, I have always tried to think about the actual journal outlet and is it open access and can most people get to it because that really should be what we're all aiming for um, rather than closed you know, formats that people Mm. can't, if you don't belong in a university system, you actually can't access them in the first place. And a research gate, like Word document that's not formatted, doesn't look anywhere near as pretty as the real thing. So Or credible, which is a big selling point of it. Yeah, so for me, I 
I'd have the career advice, and I know senior management is strong on this, but when I served as ANZMAC president, I have never changed my view that we should always think about our own careers and what's good for us too. Yeah. And as an NHMRC assessor, I can tell you the number of journals you publish and the capacity of your work to deliver actual change is what's getting assessed, Okay. not an A, A star paper. So it is changing at the funding level. Yeah, because the universities are still pushing the, you know, A, A star type model and the reward systems are very much for it. So you'll get like a, a personal development fund of a certain amount if you publish an A star, a lower amount if it's an A and at our university, for example, you don't get any personal development funds if you are B or below. Mm. And so, I mean, you kind of exhaust the lists if you get rejected from one journal to keep trying to get that at least funding for the next conference to go to, to disseminate your work, or maybe the next sample size to support your PhD student, something like that. Um, and you kind of see why they do it as well, because they get assessed externally and ranked compared to other universities based on those publications, the quality of them, and then that in turn attracts students, especially international students. So it's this whole system that's kind of at the moment feeding into each other that, do you see any of that I mean, it's changing at the funding level, but you think that'll change anytime soon? Well, the shifts have been occurring at the funding level over a, a, a series of time. And across my ARC reviewing timeframes, I distinctly recall the moment in time where we were told as assessors not to actually react to A-star and A's. Okay. And then it fascinated me that still today our universities continue to actually promote those lists because it was so clear being an assessor and being involved in the process mm that this is not what we wanted. We did not construct this to have universities playing games to actually try and get better outcomes and jump each other on rank tables and league tables. So yeah. I, I generally have a more pragmatic view, and that is I can look to my management to fund me or I can actually create my own outcomes. And a lot of my work has always sought to actually bring in its own income and its own stream to actually support itself rather than being dependent on the whims of whether my manager wants to appoint someone or not, um, because I think that's a dangerous world to hit. So dependence is not necessarily something any of us should create. Um, so being a bit of a master or a mistress of your own sort of destiny mm. and being prepared to take head on what you want to do and how you want to get there, I think more people need to have that courage to question why, mm. to learn other ways and make sure they are bringing all of that into their own practice as well. Because you can, yes, you could play a game and play the A-star, shiny A-star game is what <laughs> I call it. Or you can actually ask, you can actually like challenge the system a little bit more by being a bit more true to who you are and what the real purpose of what you are doing should be. Yeah. Um, and for me, dissemination is really important because it gives credibility to the work. Um, but at the same time, it is not the input of the work I'm doing. It's actually just an output that actually communicates. It's been peer-reviewed. Other people agree with this. And again, sometimes my work's not even communicated through that forum. It's gone direct to client because mm -hmm. it's quite commercial and sensitive and it's not seen anywhere. But it's had a huge measurable impact. And, you know, some of these things I think are possibly the things we should be prouder of. Yeah, Dif more difficult to measure, I suppose. And, and you know, universities want to play that well, they, they, whether they want to or not, they do play that game. But I think you're, you're especially spot on with, you know, the fact that there's all of these journals. Like, so if you're not part of a university, you either pay per article 
or you pay for a subscription to a, a, for like a, an issue maybe and they're not cheap like no. some of these articles you know because they're either american based or usually american based or, or european based are you know 40 pounds for like one article and you're like okay so who's 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 paying for this in industry and so you speak to people like all over the world and they're not reading these journals so we're not reaching in um an industry audience, which I suppose is why centres like yours is so important to have the academic rigour, but to be able to translate that into industry. And I kind of think that's how the Institute works as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just got back from Melbourne and I was speaking to someone there and they operate within sort of sports marketing. And I said to them, like, you know, do, do you read any of these journals? And she's like, look, I, to be honest, I just don't have the time and I don't understand them. And you touched on that as well. She's like, the, the mathematics that they're using behind them are overly complicated. They try to account for every single possible variable they can, and they lose the audience that they really should be um, appealing to, which is the people who can make a change based on it. Um, yeah, it's quite quite sad. And I think the medicine do a quite good job of it, right? They do. Yeah. And a lot of the work you actually see across medicine is very direct for which drug works best. It's communicating a treatment, an outcome. It's talking about an A versus B. Like mm -hmm. it's in, in market testing terms, it's pretty simple. Mm. And obviously it's talking to professionals in their own language that they've all come to actually learn. And I think some of the social science has really lost sight of what the purpose of even our research and focus was and should have been. Mm. Um, and so whilst I'm the first to celebrate great research, I... I personally will always celebrate the research that has a more direct measurable outcome. What is it capable of delivering? What is it capable of informing and doing? Um, we do need ivory tower, blue sky thinking to create the what's next, but I think that maybe should be 10% of the effort. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of papers and work that goes into things that aren't influencing any outcome anywhere at all. Um, so that's just my personal view. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you as well. Hey guys, it's Zach Ainsbury here with just a couple of quick reminders. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. There are plenty more interviews to come with some of the world's leading marketing academics and practitioners. You do not want to miss these. In the meantime, if you're looking for another way to connect, then follow me on Twitter at Zach Ainsbury. That is Z-A-C-A-N-E-S-B-U-R-Y for my take on the marketing issues of the day.